If your faith in Christ is not leading you to live a lifestyle of devotion to Jesus, then you're in danger. It's a message that America needs to hear today. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. I'm thankful that everyone could be here today, and I'm thankful for the opportunity we get to worship in the house of the Lord today. And I'm thankful for everybody that's online, that's listening online to the Gospel Saving Church on SoundCloud, or if they're coming to our website or wherever. Thank you. Welcome all. Good morning. Good morning on Sunday, beautiful Sunday morning in McKinney, Texas. Uh, before we pray, well, no, Lord said pray first. So let's pray. Let's open up our service. And then I'll tell you the exciting thing that Lord told me during worship. So join me in a word of prayer if you would, please. Gracious Lord Jesus, gracious Heavenly Father, you abound with grace, Lord. <laughs> Your grace, truly, Lord, when Paul said, a messenger of Satan has been sent to buffet me, lest I be exalted because of my knowledge, you gave Paul a message and you said, my grace is sufficient for you. And Lord, it absolutely is, Lord. Every day, every moment of every day and every hour of every day and every day of every week and every week of every month, Lord, your grace is continuing, is continuing and continuing to be poured out upon all mankind. Lord, just like you told Israel when they were in sin, as there are so many people in this world Lord, that don't live for you and they're so lost and because they don't have Jesus Christ and living in their souls. Lord, it, just like you told Israel, Lord, when they were living apostate from you, Lord, you, you said, you're going to be punished. It's not going to be good for you, but my hand is outstretched still. So that if you want, here I am, I'm calling out to you, please come to me. That's what you're saying to the world now, Lord God, to Americans and to the world, for anybody that doesn't know you. You're saying, my hand is outstretched still. Please come to me. I paid a great price to buy you back. Lord, I pray that we would be focused today, Lord, on your word. And I pray we'd be focused today, Lord God, on what you have to tell us, Lord. Lord, I love something that you've taught me since I've been doing these messages, Lord, is to just litter, just litter, litter, litter the whole message just full of scripture. And so, Lord, I just pray that, because your word says your word brings life. 
and that we need to hear the truth. And Lord, how can we hear the truth, Lord, except for listening to your word? And so, Lord, I pray that the word that I speak today, just your word, Lord, would feed people. Lord, I want to feed people, Lord, your word. And Lord, I pray that after we're done here, Lord, whoever listens and whoever will ever listen, Lord God, through the ages or through the days or weeks or months or years ahead, Lord, that they would get fed. Lord God, that I would be one that would feed my sheep and all the sheep that would listen, Lord, well. And I just pray, Lord God, that, that we would get nice and big and fat, Lord, so that we would go out there and, and with all that energy we've got from your word, Lord, we would go pass it on, as is another part of our message today. Lord, bless you and praise you. And may you be glorified and magnified in this place today. And fill us all with your spirit, Lord, and fill us all with your understanding, Lord. Even if there's some that are listening that are not walking with you, Lord, I pray you give them understanding so that they can understand too and turn. That they would have eyes to see so that they may turn. We love you and praise you. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, thing the Lord told me during worship today, I, I've... I've got a recorder that is on me so that I can tape my services so that they can go on our website, so that they can go on SoundCloud, and so on and so forth. So I wanted to do a test today um, with my voice and with some singing because we can't record the singing. We can't put the singing on the website because of laws and regulations and things and copyrights. So we can just sing the songs. We can't record them or we can't tape them legally and put them out there for others to hear. And here we do everything by the law of the land because the Bible says obey the law of the land. So we do. And so, but I was doing a test for my sound guy, for my website guy who does the stuff. And so, because we may be moving to the park in the spring, we may be getting out of the house and we may be moving to a park or just, you know, for some services and just getting out there and, and going out and doing our services in a park under a tree or under a tent here in the spring at one point. You know, right now we're in, in McKinney off of 380, if you're interested in coming to visit in, uh, for those of you who are listening online, we'd love to have you. You're, we're welcome to come and sit in the house with us. It's just a small house church, but that's where most of the churches, and that's where, as far as all I know, all the churches in the Bible started when it was the book of Acts, and in the first century of the churches, they all started in homes, so that's what we did here. So, But we may be moving to a, a park pretty soon here, either uh, in early spring and getting ready for that, just to, just to let people know we're out there. So... I did a test today on my recorder that just kind of, for my sound guy to see if he could break my voice away from the background noise, because in a park we're going to have cars driving by and we're going to have background noise. And So while I was taping that, not that it'll be on the internet, so you won't hear it online or on the internet or on SoundCloud, but while I was taping that and I was singing and praising the Lord with my voice, the Lord spoke to me and he told me this. And, you know, here's, here's the scripture reference that it goes off of. The Bible says, Jesus is it. Man will be judged by every idle word that we say. So we know by that scripture that God hears the words of the people on the planet. So while I was singing and praising to the Lord, I realized, oh man, I've got the recorder on. I, maybe, I don't know, should I be doing that? And then I thought to myself, my voice is being recorded right now. And I thought, oh, wait a minute, should I be doing that? And that's when the Lord hit me. He said, yeah. You know, Ed, you can, you can erase that. You can erase that voice from that recorder, and nobody will ever know that you sang or that you said anything, because you can just delete it. He goes, but you know what? I remember everything that everybody says from the day that they're born till the day that they die. So just, you know, FYI, as you're going through your week, whether you would consider yourself a Christian or not, just know 
that every word that you speak, it may not be being recorded on a recorder like mine is for Sunday mornings, but it's on a big recorder in the throne room of God's heaven. And God's hearing and recording every word that you say that you ever will speak. And I think the Lord wanted me to say that during service, just, just so the fact we can keep a mindful attitude toward the things and the words that we say to others, because our words can be hurtful and our words could be loving. And so many times I'm guilty. Sometimes I say things that are hurtful and I know I'm wrong and I repent, but it's too late. It's already been said. Well, guess it's on the recorder in heaven. So just we need to be more mindful of the things that we say because they're on that big recorder in heaven. So just, just thought I'd share that pass, that pass that message on to you from the Lord. We're going to get into our message now. We've already prayed. If you guys want to open up to Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 26, we'll read our whole section. Give you guys a minute to get there. That'd be Matthew 10, 16 through 26. <clears throat> Excuse me. All right, let's read our scripture for today. And Jesus is speaking here. I have a New King James Version Bible. If you're following along, you can get a New King James, but either way. And uh, these are all the words of red today that we'll be reading, which means all the words of Jesus. He says in verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my name's sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Well, I just love hearing that. Verse 21, Now brother will deliver a brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Harsh. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will have not gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they have called those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. Matthew 10, before we get to 1. Remember last week, we talked about, you know, the command of Christ to the disciples as well as to us to go out and to preach the gospel. You know, Mark 16. Go ye therefore into all the earth and preach the gospel. Jesus, we, in our last message, we talked about the command. The command to the 12 disciples to go out to the whole world and preach the gospel. And that was to them, but that was also to us. We also discussed how Jesus is like a great boss, like of a job. And how evangelism is like a job that God hires us on for. Really, he doesn't hire us, but... You could just put that in human terms. He gets us, he gets us on board, and then we start doing work for him. Out of the natural progression of a saved person's life will come the works of God. 
That's what the Bible says. So a natural progression of your salvation is you'll just start to just be open about who you are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus is like that best boss, and we're like the brand new hires. That, you know, Jesus, being a great boss, has to give us, you know, instructions on how, you know, to go out and do this great job for Jesus. I just have to give a shout out to God because, you know, first of all, he gives us the guidance that we need to do his work. He doesn't just say, hey, uh, Joe uh, and Joe and John Smith, go out there and uh, do this and, uh, hey, have a good go at it. No, he tells us how to do things. Jesus is the best boss. But here in today's message, today's title of today's message is On-the-Job Hazards. On-the-Job Hazards. And today, in today's message, we're going to find out that Jesus is an excellent boss, even more than we thought, because he doesn't just send us out. He gets us ready for the road ahead. He gets us fully ready for everything that we're going to run into in this next, actually, in fact, for the whole chapter of Matthew chapter 10, he's going to be getting us ready for the whole road ahead to go out and do this work of evangelism for him. He's not going to leave anything uncovered, and he's going to tell us all that it's going to be like so that there's no surprises when we're going out there and we're being Christians in love with Christ. There's going to be no surprises. We're going to not run into anything that he didn't already forewarn us that we're going to run into here Today, unfortunately, this message is going to be about the hazards of evangelizing, the hazards of being open about your faith in Christ. But it's no different than any other job. Right now, I have two part-time jobs that God has given me instead of one full-time job. Praise God for His provision. But in those jobs, guess what they taught when I first started? And guess what they taught in the middle? And guess what they're still teaching me? They're still teaching me how to be safe. They're teaching me how to avoid the hazards that come along with the job. I, one of my jobs is a school bus job. I don't like to speak about the names of where I am, so you're not going to know where I work. I don't mind telling you if you talk to me, but I don't want to be on recording over the whole internet. I don't want to promote anything or anybody. But one of my jobs, I drive, I drive a school bus, and they're constantly training us on how to be safe to drive a school bus. They're constantly telling us how the hazards that there are for me to drive a school bus. You know, be careful when you back up and so on and so forth because driving a school bus is a very big job. A lot of kids that I'm in charge of and a lot of danger, a lot of damage can be done if I were to run that school bus into someone or something. So they're constantly working with us on safety. And it's absolutely mandatory that they teach us about safety. So Jesus, like I said earlier, as the best boss, teaches us here in this whole section, 16 through 26, how to be safe. He's going to warn us of the dangers of evangelism. He's going to tell us how to get through them and to work around them and to still do it, of course, but how we should be safe while we're doing it. So, verse 16, but before we read, have you ever had a job that after you got through orientation, after they started telling you and teaching you about the job, you thought to yourself, wait a minute, I don't know if this is the best job for me. Man, I, I didn't know it entailed all of that. Well, read 16 with me again. Verse 16, Jesus says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now I bet you, just reading that first part, 
I bet you that after Jesus said those words, the disciples' mouths dropped open in awe. Because I can tell you that when I think of the analogy of sheep and wolves, what do wolves do to sheep? Oh, they eat them. They eat them. So Jesus is saying, go out, I'm going to send you out and be careful because you're probably going to get eaten. What? What? Wait a minute now. Oh, oh I could have seen Peter now raising his hand. Jesus, uh, Jesus, uh, I have a question. Uh, this wasn't in orientation. Uh, where did this come from? Um, that, that sounds dangerous. And, and Jesus was like, um, yeah, Peter, that's why we're going through this training right now, Peter, because, yes, it's, it's going to be dangerous, Peter. It's going to absolutely be dangerous. Now, in case we don't know, you know, as I talked to another brother about this a week or two ago, Jesus used a lot of terms to the disciples and to the people around him that were very agricultural. The people that he spoke with were not city slickers. These people were people of the land. These people were people of farms. They farmed. They had to do with cattle. So maybe, you know, I, I get the sheep, you know, the wolves eat sheep thing and all that, but God kind of put it on my heart to, you know, for us city slickers and in our urban world that we live in today in America and in this world to kind of say what Jesus said, but in a more modern uh, terminology that we, we maybe could understand in our new urban land here. So what Jesus just said here, 16 again, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Might have gone a little bit like this in our modern day world. And it's okay to laugh. I know I'm not usually comic, but God, what he gave me this time helped me, really helped me. See, and it is okay to laugh if it's okay. I, I, don't, I don't mind. Jesus might have said something like this today. I send you out as a cockroach during the daytime in the midst of a bunch of moms having coffee. It ain't going to go well for that cockroach. He might have said, I'm going to send you out as a first-time first -time car buyer in the midst of a group of salesmen in downtown Dallas. Might have said that. Now, neither the cockroach nor the first-time car buyer has any shot of making it. We know that. There's no way. The first-time car buyer is going to come out getting swindled, losing all their money, and getting a lemon. And the, the, the roach that's in the midst of the moms, there's not a mom I don't know that's not going to stand up and squash that cockroach flatter than a pancake on the floor. He ain't going to be living. <laughs> Jesus uses this type of analogy to describe to his disciples to us how it would be for those who are going to go share his word. And it doesn't sound very good, does it? It doesn't sound very good to me. That's why Jesus says in the same breath, the rest of 16, Therefore, be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. What does that mean? What is he saying to us? Modern terms. Be as wise as a mom on food stamps in Section 8 housing buying food for a family of six or more. And be as harmless or as innocent, the same word for harmless as innocent, as SpongeBob SquarePants or Winnie the Pooh. Now, wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. I had a problem with this when I was reading it. Because Jesus said, you're going to go out there and you're going to get squashed. You're going to get eaten. Whoa, wait a minute. But, but I don't want you to retaliate. I want you to be as innocent 
as a dove. I want you to be as, as innocent as like SpongeBob SquarePants. And I don't want you to be aggressive. I, I don't want you to attack back. I, I just know what you're going into. Therefore, be real, real, real careful. Be really, really wise. Putting them together. As you share my message, Jesus says, with the world, you're going to be in danger of losing your life. Because of this, be very smart and crafty in how you go about doing it. Be very elusive. Kind of almost hidden, he'd say. And be very gentle and innocent in how you approach those who could eat you. Huh? Huh? I don't get it. Why would he say that? Why would he say that? This goes against our very nature as human beings. Our very nature of our mankindness tells us if we're attacked or if we're in danger, we fight back. We get them. If they get us, we're going to get them. But here Jesus is saying, guys, I know what you may be thinking, but be lovers. Be not fighters. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. Notice the first one that he said was deny self. Those who desire to come up after me, those who want to get saved, those who want to be Christians, yeah, come on, that's great. But first, Deny yourself. Don't, 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 don't be like you normally are. Don't be like your natural humanity says to be. And remember, Matthew 5, 43 through 45, in Jesus' great Sermon on the Mount, he says, You have heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. And he's telling them the very same thing in Matthew 10, 16. I send you out as innocent, harmless sheep. Don't fight back. Don't get angry with the people. In fact, when you approach these people that are going to eat you or they could eat you, make sure you approach them very gently and very lovingly. That blows my mind. So why does he tell us to be elusive? Why does he tell us to be careful? Verse 17, Matthew 10, 17. Read it with me if you would. But beware of men. For they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. Here we get the reason for why Jesus said, be careful. Because evil men that don't love God, evil people that hate God, are going to come after you and they're going to grab you and they're going to take you to their synagogues and they're going to beat you and they're going to do evil things to you. And... In case you didn't know, as is everything that Jesus said is going to happen, it's absolutely going to happen. We have a story, we have an account in Acts chapter 5 where Peter and the other disciples were doing some kingdom work when, Acts 5.17, the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation. So what did they do? They arrested Peter. Remember Jesus just said, they're going to be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony. Oh, sorry, I lost my verse, verse 17. But beware of them, for they will deliver you up to councils and I'll scourge you, scourge you, is beating you. Beating you almost to death. 
They're going to scourge you in their synagogues. So what happens is after they're arrested, Acts 5, 28 and 29, they warn them, we warn you strictly, we command you not to teach in this name. And he says then, look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intended to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the other disciples answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than you. Well, this didn't make them real happy. This didn't make the council very happy at all. The council, in fact, they wanted to kill him. But at that point, one of their groups stands up. His name was Gamaliel. And he says, hey, guys, uh, private conference, please. Uh, send them out. We got to have a private conference. So as they send out the disciples, they had this private conference where the guy warns them. He says, listen, guys, I know what these guys are doing. I understand that they're preaching this Jesus Christ. But, you know, remember this guy from back so many years ago? And remember that guy from back so many years ago? And they rose up. And, you know, what happened after all? And then all those people, they just fizzled out. But, you know, so I would be careful if I were you, because what if these people are from God? Just what if they are from God? You know, if you rise up against them, do you really want to be found before God fighting against God? So they call the disciples back in and they let them go real nice and quiet. <clears throat> Sorry, Acts 540. And when they called them back in, they beat them and they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go then. So remember what I told you. Jesus, what he said here, this is what evil men are going to do to you. And not even the book of Acts in the first, first, in the first 30 years of the church. What do we have happen? We have exactly what Jesus said going to happen. Uh, in Acts 16, Paul and Silas were doing some kingdom work. And they cast a demon out of a young slave girl. And of course, this young slave girl was like a fortune teller. The demon she had in her was like a fortune teller. She would tell people their fortunes. So of course... Paul turns around, he gets angry because this young girl keeps following him, saying, oh, these guys are from the Most High God, you know, and she gets kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. And so Paul turns around and he rebukes the demon out of her and she, demon flies out and they go, well, of course, now she don't have the demon living in her. So what happens is she loses her ability, she loses her spiritual ability, her demonic spiritual ability to go and tell the future. So, of course, what did this do? This made their masters angry. This made her master angry. Acts 16, 19. Her master saw that their hope of profit was gone. And they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And verse 23, And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them in their inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. We could go on and on and on and on through not only biblical history, but we have extra biblical history which shows that for people for preaching the name of Jesus Christ suffered the same thing that Jesus foretold here in Matthew 10, 17. Beware of men. This is what they're going to do to you. But that's enough for today just to make Jesus' point. Guys, it's a danger. It could happen. Absolutely. Jesus said it could happen. We've seen it happen. It can happen. Verse 18. 
we got to see a little gold nugget here. Let's read it. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them, to the Gentiles. Did you catch that little gold nugget that was in there? Did you catch that little, little, it's real small, and it's almost kind of like maybe you can't see it, but you got to be real careful to really see it because it really is going to alter your perception of God too. So what did he say in specific? Let's, I want to read it again. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake. So he's just giving a saying, it's going to happen. You're going to be brought before these people for my sake. But then the second half is where we find the nugget. As a testimony to them, to the Gentiles. What is he saying? He's saying that he's going to make it happen. He's going to have people go and get you. He's going to have people bring you before the magistrates. They're not going to really know what they're doing. Because God is so awesome in power. He, just, you know, he can command people to do things even when they don't know they're doing it. He's going to make it happen so that you could give a testimony to those people that you're going to about Jesus Christ and about his message. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Why would Christ do this? Well, one of my jobs that I have, it's just a couple, one from Paul and one from me. You get one nowadays and you get one from Paul a couple thousand years ago. I work a job now where years ago, they were always hounding me about not talking to people about Jesus. Always. So one day, somebody got mad at me, and this one of the store managers of the place that I work for, can't say his name, calls me back to the office. This guy, real nice guy, but always real busy. His position led him to do that. Crazy schedule, and... Our paths generally only meant for me to say hi. He was always doing something crazy. Always doing some, doing a whole bunch of projects. Always doing this, always doing that. So I get in trouble. He calls me back into the office area to tell me, to yell at me, Ed, you can't talk to people about Jesus anymore while you're working here. We don't allow it. You need to stop. People are getting angry. And I can understand that. People get angry. We'll talk about that in just the name of Jesus. But guess what? I got a chance to be a light for him, for Christ. As to where I would have normally not gotten to be a light for him, for Christ in a sit-down situation. Because his schedule and such and his position as such meant that I would really never get that kind of intimate time alone with him. So I saw God allow me to get in trouble at my job just so I could sit down and talk with one of the big guys at the store that I normally wouldn't have gotten a chance to talk to. It's exactly what Jesus said here in Matthew 10, verse 18. In the Bible, we have recorded in Acts chapter 9, Christ said of Paul, when Paul was kind of first being saved, that he was a chosen vessel of mine. One of the things that Jesus told this other disciple is that he's going to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. So in like manner, Paul, God specifically gave him this command that he would be in the same position as Jesus said here in Matthew 10, 18. So what happens? He's witnessing and sharing Christ with Jews and Gentiles. And in Acts 21, he gets arrested for doing kingdom work. While he's arrested for doing this kingdom work, he appeals to Caesar. So he's going to be sent to Rome. Well, in the midst of it all, what ends up, what ends up happening is Paul gets a chance to talk to big guys. 
not just the average Jew of the land, not just the average you know, person, the Syrophoenician woman or any you know, normal person like us. He got to witness to governors and kings, Festus, Felix, King Agrippa. He actually, it's, been, it's in church history, it's in, it's in extra biblical history that he actually got a chance to witness to Nero, the deadly Nero. Now Nero that we know didn't ever turn before he died, but Paul got a chance to witness to kings, to Nero, which if he wasn't witnessing for Christ, if he wasn't doing, if God had never allowed it to happen, he never would have gone to that level of a person to go ahead and talk to them about Jesus. It would have always been amongst the common people. So I see one from me and one from Paul. Read verses 19 and 20. We got to keep going. Verse 19. But when they deliver you up, don't worry about what you are to speak. For it should be given to you in the hour that you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. What is he saying? Hey guys, don't worry about what you're going to say when you're in those positions. Don't premeditate and think, okay, if they, they catch me and, and they go before me, or, or if I go witness for God's kingdom, oh, what will I say, Pastor Ed? I, what will I say? Well, I don't know what I'm going to say, Pastor Ed. If I go out and share Christ with others, what am I going to say? Jesus says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I got you covered. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Father will speak through you when that time comes. Do not worry. I can tell you in my instances, in my life, almost 14 years I've been a Christian. I've been sharing Christ for almost all 14 years. That as I go out to speak, God says, look, he showed me years ago, there's like this invisible wall of fear that stands before you as you're going to go out there. And it's, and it's deadly. It's like, I don't know why I kissed. It's like, the, it's like jumping off the Empire State Building almost. That's how it grips you. But God said, just step through it and I'll be there for you. So in my years of ministry, my years of preaching, and, and now almost my year of sharing Christ and, you know, being a pastor and teaching from the Word of God and, you know, on Sunday mornings and so on and so forth, I've seen miraculous things as God opens up my mouth and just speaks. On Sunday mornings when I create my message, my paper for the message this week, I've said this before, is pretty blank. All I have is where I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I'm going to speak on. But then through the week, the Holy Spirit gives me what I'm going to say Gives me what I'm going to tell you guys in the message that's coming. So Jesus' words, again, I see them come true in my life. Don't worry about what you're going to say. Don't worry about what you're going to speak. For in that time, in that hour, God will give you by his Holy Spirit exactly what you need to share God with other people. Verse 21. It's a little bit more bad news for God's kingdom. That was some good news. Now, you know, Jesus always brought the good news, but then he had to bring the bad news too. Let's read verse 21. Now, brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father, his child, and children will rise up against his parents and cause them to be put to death. Now, sadly, 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 we don't get that biblically, but we get it extra biblically. We see that through the time that Christianity has been going throughout the whole world, we see that unfortunately this verse has come to pass. Ancient historical records show many, many betrayals of 
family members, friends, close loved ones that have come against Christians, followers of Christ. In ancient times, more and more ancient, the most ancient, we have recordings of uh, in Fox's Book of Martyrs and Jesus Freak Book of Martyrs, we have the recordings of many Catholics persecuting unto death a mother or her son or a dad his son or a son his dad just because they wouldn't follow the anti-biblical teachings of the Catholic Church. They, oh, they wanted to follow the Bible, so many family members rose up against their, fa- their own family members and had them put to death. That's what the whole Inquisition was about. The whole Inquisition was about family members, about people turning in and ratting out Christians, people that just wanted to follow God, just wanted to follow God's word. And then people came against and rose up against their own brothers, their own sisters, own mothers, own fathers, and killed them. More recently, though, that's pretty well backed off for the most part in, in, in most of the world. We still have places like in Mexico where that actually still happens. In Chiapas, Mexico, that actually still happens with Catholics beating and killing their own families. But more recently now, what's more prevalent than anything now is Islam. Is Islam. When somebody gets saved or somebody decides to not follow the prophet... Excuse me, Lord, I can't even say that. When somebody gets saved and decides to stop following the heretic of Muhammad and following the religion, the false religion of Islam, and they become a Christ follower, they become a Christian, a little Christ, a son of God, a real son of God, many times, many times it happens where their families will put them to death. Many, many, many times. And in fact, in most Islamic countries, believe it or not, it's actually, uh, they, if you convert, it's a death penalty, an automatic death penalty for just becoming a Christian. They cut your head off. They do all kinds of evils to these people. One more recent instance the Lord put on my heart was this young lady named Susan in Uganda. Poor Susan. She comes home. She's so excited. I accepted Jesus. I love Jesus, family. I, bless God, I, I found Jesus for her for her love for God, for her conversion, her own father locked her in her room and refused to feed her for at least, I think it was either a month or two. If it not been for her brother, who was shoving like pieces of banana and pieces of food underneath the door, little Susan, 15 years old, would have died by the hand of her father because they refused to accept her Christian faith. He just wanted to kill her. Now, I don't know if I've got any dads listening, but could you imagine, Dad, putting your daughter to death for any reason? But, but I almost forgot. The world thinks that Islam is a religion of peace, but it's not. And world, the world will show us that if you just look at the news nowadays. You'll see that that's not the truth. Poor Uganda. And again, like I said, you can find these stories in this ministry I follow, Voice of the Martyrs. You can also find these ancient stories in Jesus Freak, Book of Martyrs, and also Fox's Book of Martyrs. He gives you back instances all the way back going to the Inquisition where verse 21, a brother will deliver a brother to death and father his child. Children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. That this, this verse absolutely causes, this verse has absolutely come true 
all throughout history since Christ left, since Christ lived, died, and rose again. Sadly, we can number countless more, but for time's sake, we have to move on. But just know, I want to warn you guys, Jesus said, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. It's going to happen, guys. It's going to happen. It's absolutely going to happen. And although we don't here in America see that very much, the threat of death yet, because as it's going here in this country, unfortunately, the way people are acting toward Christians nowadays, and as it's getting worse day by day by day, it looks as if someday here, that if I go out and share my faith, I'll have the same danger that Jesus talked about here in Matthew 10, 21. So, for that, we do have yet another evil side of what people are going to do in verse 22. Read it with me, 10:22. He says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. We'll start with that first sentence. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. Another sad fact of a person deciding to follow Christ. And it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing, I can tell you the truth, that the majority of people in America will absolutely turn against you. They absolutely hate the name of Jesus Christ. They absolutely don't want to hear the name of Jesus Christ. They absolutely don't. And notice Jesus said in that sentence that you will be hated by all for my name's sake. So what do I see every day? What do I see every day? And, and, I, and I challenge you, if you consider yourself to be a Christian, try this when you go out to the store. Try this. Just do some tests, because I have. When you're with the clerk or when you're with the person at the fountain drink and they're getting a fountain drink, say, and as you're leaving, say, you know, you have a blessed day. Oh, they'll smile. They'll just smile from ear to ear. Oh, thank you so much. You too, you have a blessed day too. Then, then you'll see that answer to that. You probably won't ever get one person that'll look at you negative. But then say the next time, try, try some more, say, you know what? You have a God-blessed day, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Boy, they'll get a smile from ear to ear. They'll be like, oh, wow, that's, thank you so much. That's, that's so awesome. And then do that for a little while. And then try this one. Then walk in somewhere and walk up to somebody and go, hi, how are you today? I want to let you know that Jesus Christ loves you. And the look on their face. The look on their face. You say the name of Jesus. And people are like, what are you saying, man? Yeah, I don't really talk about that around here. And they get angry. Like you call them a profane name. Or like you just curse them. Or, or like you punch them in the face. They'll get angry with you. They don't like to hear the name of Jesus Christ. What, what did he say? Matthew 10, 22, And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. See, everybody, oh, God, oh, that's great, God. Oh, bless you, oh, blessings, yeah, everybody wants blessings. When it comes to God's real blessing for humanity, when it comes to God's real answer for all your problems in your life, Jesus Christ, because that's God's answer for every problem in your life, Jesus Christ, people don't want the answer. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. He didn't say because you're a Christian. He said, no, for my name's sake. Sake, the name of Jesus Christ, 
people will turn against you like you're a rabid dog. It's unbelievable, but it will happen. I've seen it happen myself. People don't like to hear his name. It's so bad, in fact, verse 22, and it's a warning to all of us. Jesus, again, he's warning us in all these things. Read the second, second sentence in verse 22. Maybe he might off my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Now, why would he say those that endure to the end shall be saved? Because he knows, folks, that your persecution, that your scorn you're going to face from your family, he knows that the scorn you're going to face from those that say they love you, from your own fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters, from your own co-workers, from your own girlfriends, from those that are in your life that are close with you, are going to be so bad that it might cause you to walk away from him. That's what he's saying here. Only if you endure to the end through that hating of my name shall you be saved. Isn't that something? So if you once came to Christ, you asked him to save you, that's awesome. And there was nothing else required of you then why would Jesus say the person that endures to the end should be saved? Because here's the deal. If we surrender our lives to Christ and get saved, but then sometime later, when we face these persecutions, when we go through these hard times with Jesus, we turn away from him and we turn back to our old ways and we stop putting our trust in him and we start living in sin again because you know what? These people are, are you know, they're persecuting me because I love Jesus then the Bible says that you're walking away from God. We can walk away from our salvation as well. The relationship that God wants from us is a relationship like a marriage. And you know what? In a, in a, in a marriage, can two people get divorced? Absolutely. It only even takes one person that's dissatisfied with their relationship to say, I, I'm out, I, I don't want a divorce. I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. And then a person can go and file for a divorce. Now, can let's say it's the husband wanting to get a divorce from the wife. As the husband gets a divorce from the wife, can the wife still say after the divorce is finalized, he's still my husband. No, I just won't accept the court of law what they said. No, she can't. Once you're legally divorced, you're legally divorced. If you fall away from Christ and you don't endure to the end, then you're walking away from him. Then you're telling God, I want a divorce. And God in the Bible talks about how he gives us his, our own free will. He chooses to give us our own free will. He doesn't want to force us to be with him. He doesn't want to make us be with him. So he gives us our own free will. And he will not stop somebody that just absolutely doesn't want to be with him anymore. There's a parable in the sower and the seeds where Jesus speaks about this. And Jesus is given the parable of the sower of the seeds, and he says, you know, a sower went out to sow the seed, and one seed fell on this spot, another feed, seed, seed fell on that spot, excuse me, another, he gives four places. One's by the wayside, one's on the rocks, one's in the tares, and one's on the good soul. And to each one of them he tells, and it turns out that three out of the four seeds that fell on the soils that they fell on, only one seed actually really gets and stays Saved. Only one seed gets and stays saved. 
Seed one, the devil comes right in and takes it right up is what he says. Seed two, he goes, it's planted in rock. And as that flower, as that plant starts to grow, the sun comes out and scorches. And then he gives the understanding and he says, the reason that scorched sun was because it was persecution of the word. It was for persecution of the word. Matthew 13, 20 and 21, he gives all the definitions of all the seeds here. And I'm just going to give you number two. He says, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Immediately he stumbles. So what's he saying? He's saying that if seed has fallen on your heart, be careful with what you're doing with it. If you allow persecution of the word to come in and you don't stand against it and you don't stand upright in Christ, then you will wither just like that flower that he, just like that plant that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 13. We'll be there in not too long from here. We need to stand fast in Christ until the end, loving him and living for him no matter what comes our way. Because that's how much he loves you. And I'm going to talk about this at the end, but he gave up his life just to let you know about his word. He thought you were that important to lay down his life for you. What about you? Are you going to live to the end, trusting, obeying, living for, and loving Jesus, even though he's already warned you bad things are going to happen? It's not a surprise. Christianity is not this walk through the tulips where, oh, everything's going to be great. Oh, it's fantastic. It's just going to be this easy road and there's going to be lilies along the wayside and all, everything's going to be butterflies. No. He said there's going to be these big hornets that are going to be aimed right for you. And then there's going to be these lions on the wayside that they're going to just wait and go, oh, I can't wait for some fresh meat to come along. Ooh, I'm hungry. And you're going to get pounced on. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get bit. People are going to come against you just for the name of Jesus. But Matthew 5, 22, But he who endures to the end will be saved. Will you endure to the end? To the end? Does, does your love for Christ Jesus mean that much to you? Does Jesus Christ and what he did for you mean that much to you? That you'll endure to the end. I'll leave you with that. Back to our scriptures. We're going to finish this section. Verse 23. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will by no means have gone through all the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Remember what I said earlier about persecution and you know being as wise as the serpents and innocent as doves. And you know, if you're persecuted, don't physically fight back and you know, don't do this. What what did he just say here? When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. Verse 23, the first sentence. When they persecute you, get out of Dodge. Leave. Leave, leave, leave. Don't get into physical fights for Jesus because of the gospel. Instead, God tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. 
for the weapons of our warfare are our fists and guns. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. That was another. That was Ed's. That was the human Bible. Uh, I'm sorry. For though we walk according to the flesh, we did not. Or, excuse me. For we though we walk in the flesh, meaning we're still alive, we're still in this human flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. Verse four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not of our own defense. He's saying but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Our spiritual weapons for God when people persecute us are prayer. They're fasting. They're called things like giving things to God. And the Bible says that He's our defender. Those are your weapons for warfare. God, you're my defense. You're my defender. Vengeance is mine, the Bible says, according to the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Not vengeance is Ed's, or vengeance is John Smith's, or vengeance is Peter's. Or the vengeance is mine, saith the Lord God. God does not want us out there fighting for the gospel. And said, very first one, very first verse 16 that he said, that we're supposed to be innocent, we're supposed to be wise, we're supposed to be careful, we're supposed to be careful how we talk to people about Jesus. Don't go up there yelling and demeaning people and talking down to people and talking evil at people because that's not what Jesus did. He did get pretty fired up at sometimes, but God always speaks in sharp rebuke, but it's always in love. Always in love. Now, if it happens, you know, we can't avoid it. Jesus said it's going to happen. If it happens, I should say, excuse me, when it happened, when we're persecuted for the gospel, when, if somebody starts to attack us, when something like that starts to happen, what does he say? He says, get out of there. But if you can't, if you're stuck, God says, don't punch and fight and kick back. It's he already told you it's coming. In fact, we already just read it's going to happen unto death. So you can't get away. You can't get away. Just... Try to run if you can't and they catch you. Preach to them about the Lord. That's it. God said it's coming. God said that you could quite possibly die for your witness for Christ. Man up. Pull up your bootstraps. Take it like a man. If God lets you die, then He wanted you to die. If He lets you live to preach another day, then, he li then you live to preach another day. Try to flee first. But if you can't, Jesus already warned you. It's coming. It's here. Verse 23. Verse 24, excuse me. He says, A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. What is he saying? He's saying, he's making a broad treatment of state. He's making a broad statement of truth here. The teacher is always going to be above his disciple as long as he is under his teaching. And a servant will always be less than his master as long as he is that master's servant true. Along those same lines, verse 25. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. What is he saying? It's a great honor if a master or teacher allows you to be at his level. It's a great honor. Why is he saying, what, what point is he making that behind that? Well, it's some more bad news, unfortunately. He says right there in the second part of verse 25, if they called the master of the house Beelzebub, or you could say Satan, how much more will they call those of his own 
household. The name Beelzebub means the Lord of the house. It's also the name of Satan, the prince of evil spirits. Jesus is telling you, if you're a Christian, that since others have called me the devil, if others have called me evil, then guess what? You're not above me. It's, it's an honor. I let you be like me. But go ahead, and they're going to call it to you. Just be prepared, because they're going to call you evil names. I myself have been called Satan. I myself have been called the devil. I myself, people, have disrespected me and called me those evil, evil, evil words. And, you know, and it's sad. I just got to bring up this point really, really quick. Isn't it sad? Jesus said, if they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, then they're going to call to you. Why would anybody call Jesus the devil? In case you haven't been looking at his life, I challenge you to. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In fact, if you're a Christian, you need to know what Jesus' life was like. And you, you go, and for yourself, I challenge you. It's a test. You can start looking this week. It's going to take you a few months, but you go. What did Jesus do to anybody? In fact, Jesus said, don't fight back. If they slap you on the right cheek, right cheek give them the other one as well. Don't fight them. If they persecute you, run. Run. Get out. Go. Get away. Don't. He didn't say, fight back. Take your, take your, uh, your ot and blow their heads off. He didn't say retaliate. He didn't even say go to war. He didn't say, I hate anybody. In fact, he said, I love everybody. How sad is that? How sad. Think to yourself, why would they call him of all people that? He loved more than any man that ever will, has, or has ever loved in this whole world. He loves more than any of them all put together, and our love you could put in a thimbleful. A thimble. Yet his love is like the oceans. And his forgiveness is as the heavens. But why yet they call him the devil? Amazing. Let's get closing out here, 26. Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Do not fear. Jesus is warning us, don't fear. They're going to call you the devil. They called me the devil. Don't fear them. Don't be afraid of them or what they're going to say to you. Fear is the main reason people don't share God's kingdom. Fear is the main reason why people don't share Jesus Christ. Fear of rejection. I myself, if I have to say the number one thing that stopped me from ever witnessing to anybody in my whole life as a Christian, it's been the fear of rejection. I'm afraid of what they're going to say to me. I'm afraid of what they're going to say, how they're going to treat me. But the end of 26 for there's nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Why does Jesus say that? The Bible says in Psalm 44, 21, For he knows the secrets of the heart. I myself have not counted, but I hear tell, and I even binged it and researched it on the internet, that the Bible does say, Fear not 365 times, one for every day. Of the year. We cannot be afraid of others because God will know 
if we are. That's what he's saying to us in the end of verse 26. There's nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. And I got shaken up by this one by a brother a little bit ago, and it shocked me, and I had to throw it into the message today because God wanted me to shock you guys with it. But I'll bet you're shocked to realize that I see I love the New King James Version. I love that version of the Bible. I think it's by far, hands down to me, it's one of the most accurate versions of the Bible that it's out there. And they're all very, very, very good, but I consider the New King James to be the very, one of the very best. Well, it let me down. The translators let me down in the New King James Version because in Revelation 21.8, my New King James Version says cowardly, but that's not a correct translation. Jesus says in Revelation 21.8, the fearful, not cowardly, the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers will all have their part in the lake which burns with fire. Now I thought, well, sure, cowardly, I could see that. But that word for cowardly means fearful. So if you want to live your life in fear, God in the book of Revelation 21.8 put fear up there with murder. He said, those that live in fear, those that practice the life of fear, will end up winding themselves up in the lake of fire. That one shook me up, and I almost didn't agree, and I had to do the word search, and my brother got me. I never heard that. I always know cowardly, but the, the New King James translators let me down on that one. It's close, but not quite. It does say fearful. The fearful puts it right up there. So what's, what's covered shall not be hidden. What's covered shall be revealed. He says it right here. Nothing that's covered will be revealed. Remember, just like I opened up my service with, and I said that every word we speak, that was a prophetical word from God because I had actually forgotten that this verse was in here. I wasn't even thinking about that. Everything covered, everything you say is on a big recorder that sits right by God that can record everything that you say from the moment that you're ever born to the moment that you die. And you may think it's hidden. Well, that's not going to be remembered. Those words I said those words I said 20 years ago. But God knows them. And I think that if you don't become a Christian, if you don't follow Christ, if you don't surrender to him, then those words will be played back on your judgment day. And those same words will condemn you. Not God condemning you. Your own very words that you spoke will condemn you right to hell. So, in closing, please don't, if you're a Christian, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of sharing Christ. It's something that God told you to do. It's something God commands His followers to do, to share and be open about your faith in Jesus. If you say, I can't do that, then you pray and say, God, how can I? And he'll give you the strength to do it. He'll give you the strength to do it. You may be saying, there's no way, but Pastor, and I, I can't. I, how can I share Christ with others, you know, with all these hazards especially? Pastor, it, is, it could be dangerous to share the gospel. No, not could be. It will be. I had a fellow on Friday night that almost attacked me. He almost attacked me. And the only thing that God showed me that kept him back was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit stopped this man from attacking me. And all I did was I said, hey, can I 
can I share a few words with you or can I tell you a little bit about Jesus Christ? And the moment I said that word, get away from me, step back. Yeah. Yep, better step back, man, I don't want to hear that. And then as I said, and then as he swore while he said it, I said, dude, is that, would Jesus say words like that? Oh, blank you, blank you, you're not perfect, you're not, and he started cursing at me. I said, Jesus wouldn't say words like that. And he started to walk toward me like he was going to attack me. And then something stopped him. God stopped that man. So it can happen. It can happen. As you're sharing the Lord, it can happen. People can verbally and even can physically attack you. So you may be saying, I can't share Christ, Pastor Ed. What if people attack me? What if, God forbid, Pastor Ed, I lose my life? I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. Remember what Christ did on the cross for you. He thought you were important enough to evangelize and get disciples and tell people about himself and tell people about the way to God, but that's what got him the penalty of death, that he wouldn't stop talking about that he was the way to heaven. That's mainly why people killed him. He said, I'm God, yes, but it was that I'm the way to heaven because I'm God in the flesh and I'm the way to heaven, and that's what cost him his life. So he thought you were that important to lay down his life, not to just beatings, because they did that to him before he died, but to put him on a cross, to hang him, so he would die. So he thought sharing God's word and living for you, he thought of you and you and you and you and you. And anybody that's listening on here, he thought you were that important to do what he did for you, that it cost him his own life. Is God that important to you? Or will you continue to be quiet and silent as Jesus' own heart was last week? Pray ye therefore that God, the God of the harvest, will send more workers into the harvest, even if it costs you your life to preach God's kingdom. Should you not make an effort to show Jesus that you love him and that he is important enough to you that even that you would lay down your life for preaching his word, which is what he tells every Christian to do. Christians, we must be obedient to the commands of Christ Jesus. And we can't be afraid of what man will do to us. Jesus said in one scripture, he said, why are you afraid of those? Because all they can do is kill your body. Why don't you fear the one, and he taught the fear of God, why don't you fear the one that has the power to throw your body and your spirit and your soul into hell? The worst that man can do to you is torture you and eventually you'll die. For moments of eternity, that's all man can do to you. But if you deny God in your life, and you deny God, you'll be being tortured forever in eternity in hell fire forever. So Christians, we must be bold for Christ, even if it costs us our life. And I'm speaking to myself here as much too. We must be bold for Jesus in our lives for him. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you realize, I'm, you know what? I'm not a Christian. 
You know, I just, I don't follow Christ. You know, I, I listen and I'll, I go to church and, you know, I, I don't even know what God says and how to get to heaven. I mean, you know, I, I, I know who Jesus is, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really walking with God. Then that same sacrifice that he gave that I just spoke about him, his death on the cross, his life that he lived for you, his death that he lived, that he, that he died for you, was for you and you and for everybody on the face of the planet. He died so that you could have a relationship with God, so that you could get connected with God. He says to you today, if you're not walking with him, he says, see what I did for you and turn to me. Repent of your sinful ways. Turn your life to me right now, Jesus says. Surrender your life to me right now. And yeah, it might be a tough road, but I, I took a tough road for you. You might go through struggles, but I struggled to bring you life. You might even be put to death for believing in me. Oh, I was put to death for believing in you. That's what he would say to you. Is what he did for you worth you surrendering unto him? I believe it is. And I surrender every day. Please, turn now. You're not promised tomorrow. The Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow's not promised. Today is the day of salvation, people. Well, I, Pastor, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. You know, I'll, you know, before I die, I'll, I'll get to it. And on your way home from work today, you could die in a car accident just like that. And you're standing before God in judgment. But Lord, tomorrow. And the Lord says, my son, you didn't have tomorrow. You never made me important. You were important to me, but you had to respond and you never did. I'm sorry, my child. And you'll zip right to hell forever where there you'll be forever because of your choice, not God's. Turn to Christ now before it's too late. And look at how much he loved you and look at how much he did for you. Look at the sacrifices he made for you. And put and start sacrificing and make him important in your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this word today. Lord God, thank you so much for this message. Lord God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you so much, Jesus, that you are so gracious. And again, Lord, your grace could fill oceans as deep as this whole entire universe, space, time, continuum, everything beyond that. I pray, Lord God, for Christians out there. First of all, Lord God, I pray that the Christians I'm speaking to, I spoke to today, Lord, I pray that they would not just hear your words anymore. I pray that they would get off of their bottoms and they'd get busy with being open about Jesus. They would seek your face and pray to find out, Lord, what is my, how, what is, what is my way? Because we all, Lord, you give us each a way to share you. One way is not good for all because all are different in many ways. I pray, Lord God, that people would find in you their way. And as they seek your face on how they ought to tell others about your kingdom and how they ought to tell others about Christ Jesus, that you would reveal to them that perfect way that they should share you. 
so that they can get busy and stop being afraid and stop being fearful. Lord, everything that's hidden will be revealed. Everything, Lord. Even all of our fears. Every word we ever said, that'll be revealed. I pray, Lord God, please show them the truth and break their hearts for the lost. Break their hearts for those that aren't on their way to heaven. And Lord, I pray for those out there that are listening that are not yours. I pray that they would realize the sacrifice that you made for them by sending your only son, your son, your one and only son, to the cross to die, to take all the sins of all the world upon himself. It's like a big blank check. No matter how much we've sinned, Lord God, your check covers it. No matter how much we've sinned, your check covers that. And I pray, dear God, that they would turn now to you right now and they would stop living for themselves and they would just simply surrender to Jesus Christ and make him Lord of their lives. Please, God, save them. If they're listening to this, I pray that you would save them right now. And I ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We would like to thank everyone who has joined us today to listen to Pastor Ed Spagnoli bring us more biblical truth as he preaches verse by verse through the Bible. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged to respond to the word of the Lord today as one life will soon be passed and only what is done for Jesus Christ will last. If you would like to support this ministry or contact us for prayer or for any reason at all, please visit gospelsavingchurch.com and enjoy our beautiful new website and click on the appropriate links. God bless you.